Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids. I'm Tony Kolank, a homeschooling columnist, father of five, law professor, and the author of the Harwood Mysteries teen fiction series. By the way, if you've got a middle school class that you would like an author to come visit, feel free to go on my website, anthonycolank.com, put in a request for me. I can come and on Zoom or in person, tailor my talks to your class. Uh, we could relate it to uh, creative writing, to middle ages, to a whole host of topics. On today's show, we will be speaking with Kathy Gilmore, the founder of the Virtue Literacy Project, and we'll be talking about building virtue in our kids. My guest today is Kathy Gilmore, the founder of the Virtue Literacy Project. She is a speaker, a catechist, an educator. She's also an award-winning children's author with a strong background in marketing and merchandising. And she took all those skills and she created a fresh and fun approach to family virtue formation known as the Virtue Literacy Project. Uh, and she has several titles of her own in that project. And we'll talk about some of those on the show today. So Kathy, it is great to have you on The Shepherd's Pie. Tony, thanks for having me. This is exciting. I'm glad to be here. I've known you now for, gosh, several years through the Catholic Writers Guild, Catholic Marketing Network. You seem to have your hands in a lot of different projects. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before we start getting into virtue literacy? Absolutely. When I was in college, I decided I wanted to be a children's author. And then I was an absolute coward about actually making it happen for 25 years. So I, I got married, had kids, raised my kids, homeschooled them for part of the time. Homeschoolers just are obsessed with books. And, and so I, I saw and experienced a lot of great children's literature over the course of that time. And then my sister finally approached me on, well, would you publish a book with me about the Easter Bunny? We put this story together with both of our different ideas and we launched Easter Bunny's Amazing Day, which has been very well received. People have really enjoyed it. It's a little bunny that witnesses Jesus at the resurrection and and Jesus takes all his fears away. And that took all my fears away. And so I finally then stepped into the space of being a published author. And then a friend of mine here in St. Louis said, well, you should go to the Catholic Writers Guild Conference. And so I did, and I met a lot of people like yourself. And then it was funny because she said, you really need to be a presenter. Well, I took that on steroids. And so I not only was a presenter at the Writers Guild, but then I got very involved with Catholic Marketing Network that hosted the event. And I got a job with Catholic Marketing Network where I was basically running the whole event. Along this whole process, I had found my author's voice. And my author's voice is little animal and insect characters who tell the story of a special Bible moment in spiritual history is the way I frame it. And so that's what I've been doing. And I also had a, a special moment when I was raising my our son, our youngest, where I was like, how do we help young people desire virtue? Because I felt like that was the key to all the sort of spiritual internal destruction that's happening in our culture. And 
And so I've been laser focused on virtue through media and literature ever since. Wow. Uh, so when you talk about virtue, uh, just for our listeners, what do you mean when you are using this idea of virtue? Especially when I talk to little children, because virtue can be a very theological concept that a little kid's eyes just roll in the back of their head when you say the word. But if you say that it's God's strength alive within us, in our words, thoughts, and actions, well, that becomes something a child can understand. And so that's the way I frame it. I basically reboot the whole idea of superpowers and that virtue is our superpower that actually lasts forever. It's not just a pretend thing like we think of with a superhero on a movie or in a book. It's actual superpower that God supercharges, and we will only see it fully realized on the other side, you know, on the heavenly side of things. So out of all the things that you could sort of focus on for kids, why specifically virtue? Why is that such an important topic for our kids to grasp? Truly, Tony, it's a lot to do with my background in marketing because all of our life is truly guided by what we desire. And the thing is, the head knowledge won't make any difference. If I know a lot of really holy things, but I'm a jerk about it because I don't have that spirit of God operating within me, I do more harm than good in the world. So we want to whet our children's appetites so that they desire goodness in, and the way I frame it for kids and families is in what they think and pray, do and say. So that's to me where virtue is the key. It's where the faith becomes something we live. And you have taken that and you've created a series of books that uh, deal with being a hero, a virtue hero. Uh, so tell us about some of your titles in that series and kind of what virtues you've been focusing on. Well, and Tony, I actually feel very honored to be in this conversation with you because I feel like you are somebody that goes to that tremendous research level in planning the stories that we tell. You know, you go into so much research and I love it because it makes your stories so rich. For me, I do the same thing in terms of structuring the Tiny Virtue Heroes series. That this isn't just me having a cute idea. This is so strategically designed. I might as well be an engineer, which I'm totally not. <laughs> the storybooks each have a little character who tell the story of someone with heroic virtue who we want children to admire. So the little animal or insect points the child to admire the real person. And there's a bonus hero in each book called a mission virtue hero, which is someone who was a missionary of some sort along the way. And we just get a little snippet of their life. So you're getting one tiny virtue hero who is pretend. And we say that they are your pretend playtime and playtime partner, plus an extra person who actually lived with that virtue in their life. And they made a difference in the world. That's the structure. And there are 40 different, what I call everyday virtues. 
So this includes the theological virtues. It includes the cardinal virtues, but it also includes a lot of what we would call practical virtues, especially for little kids. You want them to not just think of faith, hope, and charity, because once again, those are are much more cerebral in terms of little kids' mind. There's these practical virtues that actually, I think, help them on their path. So you've got four stories out and you're planning to have all 40 virtues have their own storybook. So tell us a little bit about the four stories you have out already. One of the aspects of this series is that the stories are structured to tell about these characters within the context of the Mysteries of the Rosary for the first 20. But I want the stories, just like you, Tony, you want your books to be accessible to a very broad audience. I never mention the word rosary in any of these books so that anybody who is not Catholic or even not a Catholic that's tuned into the rosary, they're still going to be able to appreciate these stories, which are basically Bible stories, just told by a cute little narrator. So for example, we have Moshe the mouse, who's highlighting the virtue of humility and who is the best example of humility, but Virgin Mary. And so that story is told by Moshe as a witness to the Annunciation. But it's cute because I always, every one of these stories has been inspired in my mind from the reading that I've done about the mystic saints or what they call the Christian mystics. Because rather than me just make up the background, you know, like you do all your research to get your background details right. Well, no one was there when Mary was at the Annunciation. No matter who tells the story, they're making it up. They're doing some research and they're imagining it. Well, I would much rather my research be founded on somebody that had a stigmata or that had a life of visions of God and that were really holy. So that's who I draw from. And so like for the Annunciation story, It begins where we imagine Mary as a helper at the Jewish temple. Now, we don't know for sure how her young teen life played out, but if we're going to imagine it, we're going to imagine her there. And the beauty of these is, at least for the first five, I really want the children to feel the joy of the joyful mystery story. So at the end, we have Mary hugging this little scroll. She has a little scroll of baby Moses that in the story, she's looking forward to God saving the Jewish people through a baby. Think back in Mary's time. What did young girls want to be? They wanted to be the mother of the Messiah. That would have been the coolest thing. So she's hugging the little picture of little baby Moses and she's twirling and dancing around in her room after the Annunciation. And little Moshe is holding on to her cape. And so he looks like Mighty Mouse flying. So you get this sense of joy in it. Then I skipped over the second one. So the latest story that was just released is Devery the Honeybee telling the story of the visitation. It is this honeybee named Devery who tells the story of Elizabeth and Mary's encounter, which is beautiful at the beginning and the baby's leaping in the womb. But then we also, Devery, I checked and a queen honeybee can live for up to three years, maybe a little more. So we go on the journey with Elizabeth, with John into the wilderness as a toddler. And we imagine him loving to take baths, wearing a little 
superhero cloak of camel's hair who doesn't like locusts. They're the only thing he doesn't like. And he, like a little kid would, he hunts them and he eats them. And what does he put on top? Devery's honey. So Devery tells the story. And so you get this wonderful appreciation of John the Baptist as a little kid. Then the next story is Amel the Camel, who admires Baltazar the king. And so this is where we get the kids to appreciate the whole story of the nativity, basically going on the journey with the kings to find Jesus, you know, in Bethlehem. So that tells that story. And that's all about what wisdom, true wisdom is. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Devery's um, virtue that she highlights is, and this is one of these practical everyday virtues, is inspiration. Inspiration is energizing the faith and virtue of someone else. So it's that outward virtue that a kid, once you help them understand it, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can inspire someone. So then the fourth one is in production right now. So I'm working with Jeannie Eagle, my artist and designer. Many thanks for a Musaya. So that's the presentation at the temple told by a little cow, a red cow, little calf named Ziva, who's terrified because no animal ever goes to the temple and comes out alive. But because of this story and the way we tell it, the whole idea is gratitude that Jesus is this little cow's Musaya too. That'll be coming later this year. And then the final one in this set, the one that is told by Eli the Caterpillar, who rides around in Mary's basket while she and Joseph are searching for Jesus when he is lost. And then they find him in the temple. And that's a little bit of what I call a breadcrumb story because they are searching for him. And, and the virtue hero that we highlight in that book is Joseph and the kindness of Joseph no matter what, he's freaking out. He has lost the son of God and he's still kind to everyone they meet along the way. And basically it's a whole thing of they see a little girl and she has a pair of sandals on and they're Jesus's sandals. And they're like, oh, we found Jesus. And then they're like, well, no, he just left. And so then it goes to the person in person of all these acts of kindness that Jesus has done. And then finally they run into some friends of Jesus, little teen boy, you know, guys, and they say, oh, we think you'll find him in the temple. And so then they go there. But once again, we highlight the joy. Many times when you read that story to kids, you leave off and you think Mary's all mad at Jesus. Jesus, why have you done this to us? We've been searching for you sorrowing. And I'm like, no, this wouldn't be a joyful mystery if we didn't want to really focus the children on Mary embracing Jesus with joy that we they found him. That's the framework of the stories and the way that they're told. And I think that so far, children and parents seem to be responding very well. They, they enjoy them a lot. Wow. You packed a lot into those books. But uh, so, all right. So your books, though, are really just the beginning, because I know you founded this virtue literacy project to do more than just, you know, have your book series come out. You had a bigger vision. So tell us a little 
little bit about the Virtue Literacy Project. Well, and what's interesting, Tony, is God works in crazy ways because through my meeting of you and so many others through the Catholic Writers Guild, I discovered that there was so much good content being created in our culture, particularly from Catholic voices, Catholic personalities, that no one was finding it. And all of the Catholic authors that I would meet, they're like, yeah, Catholics just don't buy their stuff from Catholic sources. It was so sad to see all these treasures that no one cared or even knew about. And I was like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. Because I was watching so many young people that their lives and habits were completely being consumed by a culture that is basically beset with the seven deadly sins, you know, that was completely normalizing all of the seven deadly sins. That now is the new normal of how you live your life. And I'm like, no, what galvanized me was my son was in early middle school. And you'll, you'll be able to relate to this because you you know, right focus for middle schoolers. He was in school. He was in typical school, Catholic school. And and what they read there, it isn't necessarily bad, but it isn't necessarily noble. And most Catholic schools even don't understand how much great Catholic rooted content's out there. So anyway, he's going along the normal life and he's getting very angry, very irritable, just not a happy kid in our home. He's becoming this very angsty and irritated um, middle schooler that many people just assume that's normal. And I was like, well, could there be a different way? And so we did what I now call the Virtue Immersion Summer. And basically, this is after I had found all of you, your books, the Harwood Mysteries were part of the Virtue Immersion Summer, Tony. And truly, that was one of Peter's favorite book series that he experienced that summer. So anyway, but I had him watch nothing but wholesome TV. So it was Gilligan's Island, Old Robin Hood, Daniel Boone, only wholesome films and really beautiful, wholesome, both true stories and fiction books. And he was transformed. His behavior completely pivoted. He was a happy, gracious, obedient, cooperative, joyful kid. I mean, it was extraordinary, the difference. And so that's what mobilized me to say, okay, we got to find a way. But then the more I researched and researched, because I was like, what's going to actually penetrate society? So I did way more research and it was hysterical because I was like, okay, it's going to be a website. I didn't know how to make a website. I didn't know what, anyway, but I persevered. And so over the course of time, I found the way to create the structure of a rating system based on virtues so that it would be an alternative because, you know, look at the rating systems, particularly based on movies right now. All it does is create a coming of age desire in kids to watch worse and consume worse and worse content. It absolutely backfires on everything we want for our children. Some things are never good to experience, but the way that the rating systems are set up now, you think, oh, well, now I'm old enough to watch the icky, wretched stuff. So I wanted a rating system that would be based on virtues 
that would never lead you in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so this, I think, is the genesis of your virtuesearch.com website. Uh, is that part of how all of this pull? That's what that's the site you're talking about right now. Yes. All right. How does that work for parents or teachers who want to be able to go on the website and search for materials that would promote good virtues for their kids? So we got the website up and running and it is called virtuesearch.com. And anybody that can go on there and right now there's a collection of titles that are recommended there, but it's just a tiny subset of what ultimately this will be. So when you go there, realize we're just getting started. And so let's say like I now have three of your titles rated and recommended on Virtue Search. And so let's say somebody goes and I just did it. I went on my phone. I typed in virtuesearch.com and then I went down to the regular little, you can search by which age group you can search by um, read, watch, or listen, or you can just do a keyword search based on like I searched under Harwood Mysteries. And so I found them and they come up. The beauty of this is that it gives a tremendous amount of information in a click because what you've got on that page. So let's say we wanted to go see the haunted cathedral on that page. You're going to see the thumbnail of the book. You're going to see your name with a link to your website so people can figure out who is this guy direct link to your website, a buy it link. So if you, if you're just like, oh yeah, I heard about that. I know about that. I want to get it. So there's a shopping link that takes to where they can get it. But then it also like on some of your things, you have a video trailer. So if there is a video trailer available, you can click on it, watch the trailer. Then you go down and you see three virtues that are prominent in the title. That's the virtue rating. So basically what you've got on the Harwood Mysteries is a V10 plus. And what that means is there's virtue in this title. It is worth recommending by virtue. And we see it as a title that if you're age 10 and older, you are in the zone. That is the right zone for your maturity, reading level, all those things that you're going to be able to enjoy it. And for us, for virtue content, you don't ever not enjoy it. That's why the plus is there because I read books like yours as a grown up, and I still have fun with them. And it's great because parents who want to read alongside their kids and make sure of what they're reading well, the middle grade and teen reads are easy. They're, you can binge read them really fast. So anyway, you get the three virtues that are highlighted in the story. And then you go down and you get what's called the news and reviews. And that is basically three different articles. It can be a video podcast, a regular audio podcast, or an article. But it's articles either about the title or about the author, or in some cases, where somebody's done something extraordinary and there isn't much conversation about it, then I'll go find YouTube videos about the topic that they wrote on. So it's just more information about the author and the title. Basically, what we're giving is social proof. The beauty of this is that we're not only lifting up authors and their titles, we're lifting up all those people that are writing articles and doing blogs and doing podcasts like this one. We're lifting them all up 
out of the tornado of information that is out there on the web, on the Google and all that. Because I guarantee you, when I go in to put titles into this system, I have to do deep dive searches to find the articles, the podcasts and things, because they're buried under so much other information. So uh, as I'm hearing you describe this, uh, essentially the the user in one click finding a book on a particular virtue or whatever gets not just links to the book, but this whole rating, uh, which virtues are there, and then all this kind of extra material all in a uh, kind of one-stop shopping. So I guess uh, one of the final things I'm wondering is who is it that is contributing? Like this is a lot of information. You can't possibly do all of this yourself. Uh, So who's doing all of this with you? Right now, it is me. But in 2023, it is how do we scale this? And basically what you're going to notice, this is one feature that hasn't gone live yet on the site, but I want my contributors. Let's say, Tony, you were going to be a contributor for Virtue Search. Well, then you'd have a little circle with your face or your icon or whatever, and a little link about you, you know, a little bit of info about you. And then so people would be able to come on to Virtue Search and see all the content that Tony recommends. And people will get to know and follow the contributors as well as the titles themselves. So we will have a whole team of volunteer contributors, but you have to be someone who affirms and accepts the catechism of the Catholic Church in order to be a contributor. Because there's too many other things out there where Catholics are marginalized. I want this to be a level playing field where people can find Catholic content, Christian content, and secular content that is virtuous. I want this to be a broad pool where the only thing left out is the ick. So let me ask you this. First of all, what are these sites? Where should they go to search? So they go to virtueheroes.com and they find out about my characters, the 40 characters, the books, and about connecting with me if you want me to come and do an event for little children, middle grade, big kids. I speak to them all and I and it's very targeted to their age range. So that's where you connect with me and my little characters. Virtue Search is the work of the Virtue Literacy Project. So that's where virtuesearch.com is where you come and you get to experience this whole search mechanism, rating system. And there's more information on there that you can find out about the Virtue Literacy Project and what are our four pillars of making this happen. And you can be a donor. Uh, this is a nonprofit. And so people can can help make it happen. Just time to wrap up then. You know, I, I always like to ask my guests, if you have a parent or a teacher, a youth minister in front of you, and they're like, hey, I love this idea of virtue, what's your best advice to them on how you can instill those the virtues that you're talking about here into kids, whether they're students or their own kids or grandkids, whoever? And to me, it's this very simple, frame it for the children in what do they think and pray, do and say. 
That is the simplest framework for a child to continually evaluate their own behavior because it happens, virtue happens on the inside before it happens on the outside. And you're not going to get virtue as your superpower if you don't get God's grace operating in you. So the thinking leads to the praying then the doing and saying. Wonderful. All right. Hey, I wish we had more time. We'll have to have you come back sometime and, and tell us a little bit more about this, especially as it keeps developing. But this has just been great uh, having you on the show today. Very much appreciated. Oh, I'm delighted. And Tony, I'm I'm such a cheerleader for you. So thank you for doing this. And thank you. But it's all the time we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Kathy Gilmore about how we can build virtue in our kids and about her virtue literacy project. Again, this is Anthony Brown Colink. If you have a question for me or a topic that you want me to cover, just drop me a line on my website at antonycolink.com. And you can also find out more about the Harwood Mysteries that Kathy was talking about uh, very nicely all throughout the show today. Uh, until next time, though, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids. Mm-hmm.